are recording. Tom Bernard Show with Tevin Pittman. Co-host Catherine Brandt. Andy Brandt Bernard. Cassie Schrader. And we'll be right back. Tim Lammers joins us right after this Tom Bernard Show. Walzer Automotive Group started in Minnesota over 60 years ago. Most people know something about the Walzer way. Upfront, no haggle pricing, work with one person from start to finish, or the free lifetime powertrain warranty on most vehicles sold in Minnesota. What you might not know is they are the only automotive group that is a member of the Keystone Club. They join such great Minnesota companies as General Mills, Target, Cargill, the Twins, Wolves, and Vikings in pledging 5% pre-tax profits to local charities. It's a great example of their core values. Do the right thing, display positive energy, be open-minded, and lead by example. So if you're in the market for a new or used car, check out walzer.com or stop into one of their dealerships. Please don't say, tell them Tommy sent you, because it sounds fake, and I hate it. Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt and talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. It's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? uh, Either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to welcome Tim Lammers. What's up, man? It sounds like you're one of those guys talking for Movie Tone News That's while we're exactly watching right. a reel in the movie theater. We are watching a <laughs> reel in the movie theater, and here we are in Ohio. There we are. We're, go- we're going to the movie theater where nobody went to see uh, Skyscraper last weekend. Oh. Oh. Cassie was just talking about that. <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't think it's good news for The Rock. I like The Rock. He's a very nice guy. We've had him on the show before. Really yeah, a decent person. Yeah. But Jesus, he plays the same character in every movie. Well, I thought the movie was going to do much better. I really did. And it's not a bad movie. I mean, it's it's over-the-top stupid. Everybody says <laughs> well, that. That's what I'm looking for. It is. I'm not the only one to say that. Everybody's saying but they're also saying in the same breath that it is very entertaining, and it is. So, I mean, I think that generally the reason you don't have people going is because you're just thinking, well, it's the same rock movie. They're forgetting that the rock makes entertaining movies. Right. But, again, you, you just can't make the same movie over and right. over and yeah, over right. again. And that's proven twice now This in, in a matter of months because that last picture of his, Rampage, was open in April. Yeah. That hit the wall. Now this hit the wall a few months later. So that's, 
That's not good news for The Rock. That is not good news. You are correct. It's Dwayne Johnson to the rescue again in his latest movie, but it turns out uh, maybe one of the, one in need of rescuing he may be. At least from starring in too many movies, the actor's newest outing on the big screen, Skyscraper, opened well behind expectations over the July 13th, 15th weekend. Uh, raising concerns that Johnson has become overexposed. At the moment, he's the busiest actor on the planet, having now starred in five films in the short span of 14 months. That's too much. Too much. Oh, he's already got four more slotted for for 19, although most of those don't begin rolling out until fall of next year. Right, And and the one big one he has coming out is Jumanji. So the sequel to Jumanji. Already? Already? Jeez. Yeah, well, it'll be two years by the time it comes out. Uh, it's December of 19. Still. Huh. Not this yeah, Christmas. Yeah, still. Yeah, so that's, a, that's you know, for a turnaround for a sequel like that, that's about standard. Oh, okay. uh, But did they say how much um, Skyscraper cost? It had to have been pretty expensive. It was $125 million. Holy moly. And and marketing, you know, you're you're looking yeah. at at least mm-hmm. another 75. Yeah, so it's $200 million that took in 25.5. Ouch. Yeah. Oops. Yeah, they're looking for the foreign box office dollars. I mean, yeah. there's a reason they call him the biggest box office star in the world oh. because, again, he attracts audiences overseas. I can That's see that. where his big money comes in. That is true. He does well. Well, so. Yeah, so, but, but still. I mean, you know, the, 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 the theater, the, you know, they make these movies generally for domestic audiences. So, yeah, that's, you know, to open behind uh, an animated film, I guess it it doesn't surprise me. I mean, Hotel Transylvania 3, that's somewhat surprising. I mean, obviously, if it, he was opening against The Incredibles, that's a no-brainer. But the fact that it's the third of a somewhat lucrative animated series, that's not good news. Yeah. That's not good news at all. No, you're right. So, you know, he's going to have to start doing Shakespeare or something to get audiences <laughs> in the theater. I have a we question. know that's not going to happen. I have a question, but, Tim, yeah. about investing in a movie. So, okay, so they get... Oh. They Don't. Get, <laughs> <laughs> Don't. No, I'm not going to, but I'm, these people that do invest in movies, are they... So if, if the movie bombs, they're just out the money. It's not a loan? No. No, they're out the money. They're just they're out investing. the money. Yeah, you're right. They're investing. And here's the thing about that. Um, just because the movie costs $125, let us just break it down to the most basic way possible. Let's say there was no marketing involved. Let's say there was $125 million. Mm-hmm. This made 25 mm-hmm. Somehow, by some miracle, um, they make 125 And the minute it reaches 125 and $1, that $1 doesn't go to an investor. That $1 is going to go to whatever participation deal The Rock has in place for a right. percentage on the gross. Because obviously he's a big enough guy now where he can do that. So you have all these deals going on. You have money that has to go to the actual theaters. Okay. Right. Yeah. So you, I don't know, you have to have a lot of faith in I don't know. I mean, it seems to me that The Rock would be one of the surest bets going, but Jesus, when he can't open a picture, I don't know who invests in these things. Well, over, I mean, now that you've got so many things streaming and stuff, I mean, could it, could you recoup, recoup your money in oh, five years or six years and be happy yeah, with that? Yeah, I think, I think at some point you, you will, because obviously you do have the Blu-ray, the streaming and, yeah. and all that sort of stuff. 
But again, out of that, you know, you have to remember all the the writers will get a cut of of the residuals. You know, you know, people make money off of those releases too. It's not like they're just paid for the theatrical release and that's it. I mean, there would be people making money, you know, years, two, three decades down the line. So the most famous example I can think of was, and if you if you Google it, you can find it. But apparently. Forrest Gump made $600 million. Now, you have to remember, that was 1994, so that's 25 years ago almost. Sure. When it hit the $600 million mark, it was still technically considered in the red, even at $600 million. Uh, what? Somebody, somebody didn't budget. Because of, right. because of the money that needed to be paid out. I Man. mean, it's just crazy. Again, why anybody would, unless you have money to burn, why you would want to invest in a movie is far beyond my comprehension. Well, and why the investors wouldn't be protected first is beyond my com- comprehension. Well, and, and you know <laughs> what? The money, you they maybe are. They maybe are in some cases. Okay. You know, certainly with lower budgeted pictures, with independent pictures, because truly they w- independent pictures would not be made without that money. So maybe you know, and obviously if it's indie, then you're not going to have these back end deals from big stars. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and, and big stars generally, if they want to get a film made. Uh, that means a lot to them. They're going to do it for scale and, you know, whatever. So, yeah, there's just so many factors. No single film is the same as the next film. I, I, again, I, I don't know. I don't know. But hmm. what, whatever the case may be, somebody's taken a huge beating on Skyscraper. Interesting. It is yeah. unbelievable. It, uh, it is amazing to me that people want to invest in movies. Why would you want to invest in a movie just so you could tell, oh, I'm a Hollywood big shot? Right. Probably. Well, I think that's part of it, Tom. I mean, you know, just to say, and then to rub elbows with somebody like that, it might be a PR thing, a very expensive PR thing, but to rub elbows with somebody like that at a premiere, I mean, you know, Brad Blanks is doing it already, you know? He he already rubbed elbows with The Rock. big shot. (laughs) Big shot. And he didn't have to invest a dime. I mean, there are other ways of doing it, folks, you know? Well, and I suppose these stars uh, are obligated to come to uh, their little kids' birthday parties and all that stuff. It's probably more of a personal thing if they have enough money. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I I don't understand it. I am fascinated by it, though, because people tend to forget. It's They call it the movie business. It's a business, and mm-hmm. like any other business, you know, you are subject to take a huge beating unless you're, you know, know it. You know, and I, and I think a lot of people probably think they are know what they, they do think that they know what they're doing because, again, well, the rocks in this, it's a surefire hit. Right. And uh, a couple of years later, when it comes on the tail of a, a bomb-like rampage, you know, it's, it's far too late to, to get your money back. I mean, you just got to ride it out and... We'll see. We'll see. We'll see how much it makes, uh, you know, overseas. I mean, maybe that'll make the difference for them. Well, look. Oh, go ahead, Tom. No, that's all right. I just had a quick question because, um, I mean, I kind of compare The Rock's movie career like a Bruce Willis or an Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, one thing that Bruce Willis had going for him, he wasn't this um, very muscular, larger-than-life character. Right. So he could kind of delve into the more yep. family roles. But, I mean, can you imagine seeing The Rock on, like, some type of movie where it's sentimental? And, I mean, he's so big and muscular. Yeah. I almost think he would do better in kind of like a diehard series versus all these different movies. Because yeah. they're yeah. all the same you know, movie, but if you have... It's hard to say, Cassie. I mean, yeah. I think that... 
I think he's certainly got a winning enough personality where he could do that sort of stuff. But, mm-hmm. I mean, look at Schwarzenegger. His big transition was kindergarten cop. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and then, you know, after that, I mean, he did, what, the Twins movie or whatever. And, mm-hmm. and I think that those he was okay in those. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't think The Rock... Yeah, I mean, his right now it seems that the winning combination for him is to be involved in a series like A Fast and Furious. Mm. Those seem to be the only bankable movies for him right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Well, that's or, 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 you know, where he's with other people. Like, you know, Jumanji was great, not just because of Dwayne Johnson. Right. I mean, Jack Black was freaking hilarious mm-hmm. in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin Hart was funny. Um, I I, th- I tend to think that there was a movie that The Rock and Kevin Hart did. I'm trying to think what the... Oh. Central Intelligence, maybe? Yeah, I yeah. think that's what it was. Where um, he was which like was a... very funny, and I don't know how that thing did at the box office, but, you know, I, I, maybe this is a lesson that you just can't go with The Rock as a solo guy anymore. Maybe you do need to team him up with other people in mm-hmm. order for him to be successful. I don't know. Oh, we were, I don't know. We'll we were find talking out, before um, you came on about overexposure, and I remember, Tom, when you were doing a ton of voiceover, you were yep. always afraid of overexposure. There oh, was like yeah. this fine line, and yep. then a few years later, there was no such thing as overexposure. Nope. Nope, you couldn't right. do enough stuff, and nobody cared about overexposure. And now I'm wondering if that's coming back again, because everybody's just so saturated with the same stuff over yeah, and is. over. It's the same it political is. messages, mm-hmm. the same kind of movie, the same actors, same actresses. Well, certainly with, with um, you know, to, in today's age of movies, you know, with, with the distribution yeah, obviously you have theatrical, but you also have streaming. I mean, there are just so many places you can get things now where you couldn't. There, it's not like people are waiting for, ba- you know, with bated breath to get something. No. Um, you know, where they got to wait for it to come out in the theater because there's no other way of seeing it. You know, there's no anticipation anymore. They can see it anytime they want over and over again on right. video or streaming or whatever. So, yeah, I think that overexposure is definitely hurting the rock. I would imagine that's probably true. Of course, it didn't help my voiceover career when Channel 11, the Star Tribune, called me a racist. But yeah, it didn't really help the old career. <laughs> I heard you talking about that this morning. About <laughs> it's just unbelievable. Yeah, in retrospect, you should have sued the crap out of them. But you have to prove that they're wrong. How are you going to prove they're wrong? How are you going to prove they're right? I don't know, no, though. I mean, that's, that's pretty damning to call you that. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, they, they won't stop. Defamation that's the great of thing. character, isn't it? I would think so, but nobody ever came to my defense, so what the well, hell? Well, and you also have a competing station. It's like, I know. Uh, it's, all, it's in their best interest to call you names. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, those pricks over there, they've always been all. <laughs> well, they ha- it's true. Wait. I they've think been, you just called them a name. Been <laughs> my back for years. Before we get ourselves in too deep here. <laughs> I'm, I'm way past in too um, deep. <laughs> well, look at the time. <laughs> Boy, I gotta go. No, no but, that's not but, where I was you going. Know, I, I'm curious, though, Tom, with the way that they got the movie stars to do the voiceovers, yep. um, you know, how is it that, I mean, unless you are really fine-tuning in to a voiceover, how are you going to know this is the voice of a you certain actor you'd never doing know. a spot? You'd never know. The, people don't know who the hell that is. No. But they, the, the producers who tend to be, uh, these days, young women, they want to hang out with movie stars. Yeah. That's why they do it. 
That's exactly well, it, right. It always seems to come down to that, doesn't it? Oh, I get you to hang out. With, so you can hang out. You I can hang out with Jennifer so Aniston. Hang out. Yeah, or yeah. I was directing, you know, so and so the other week. Jennifer Aniston is like, like yeah, yeah, right. For a Gap commercial. Yeah, yeah look at how bankable <laughs> Jennifer Aniston is. Talk about The Rock and Jennifer Aniston need to do a picture together. Yeah, they they're should. two of the most bankable people right now. Yeah, that's true. So I don't know. It just people will say whatever they say and do whatever they do. But yeah, you're absolutely right. I remember Sylvester Stallone did a commercial for Oldsmobile, I think it was, and nobody knew it was him because he just thought it was a guy from New York. I was going to say, did they even understand him? No. I mean, a lot of those people, it's like, no, you're really bad at this. Well, and depending on the read and sometimes what they do with the commercial in the studio, I mean, there were a lot of times where I didn't know it was you. Yeah, I know. And I'm like, wait, that's you? They mess, sometimes they mess with the audio so much it just becomes, yeah. Or he'd have this high, you know, like a, a, like a high or higher voice read than you oh, normally you mean like would do. A chorus line. You yeah, mean that it's like, that's not you. <laughs> <laughs> one singular sensation. Yeah, I do never heard you sound like that in my life. And then the other ones, Rock Lords. It's like, Jesus, settle down. Remember Rock Lords, yeah. the toys? And I once again, how would you even know it was you? It would just be no, some guy know. doing a professional wrestler exactly. voice. That's all it is. That's all it is. You're absolutely right about that. But I don't know. We There was one movie... Well, I'll tell you what. we got to take a break here, but I want to come back. Because you recommended Catherine and I go see a movie, and I forgot what it was already. I can't remember. Okay. It's not necessarily... Right, there's another one I want to recommend to you on video. But okay, we'll, so we'll here, talk after the break. So here, Oh, I'll go to Blockbuster in Bend, Oregon to get it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back. Tom Bernard Show. It's Tom telling you how easy it's been to lose weight at Nutrimost Twin Cities in Plymouth with their weight loss plan. I'm down 77 pounds... And in a couple of weeks, I'll do one more round to shed the rest of my unwanted. Twin Cities in Plymouth, free informational dinner. It's on Monday, July 23rd at 6 p.m. at Jake's in Plymouth. I'll see you there. That extra baggage melts away really fast, and one of the best parts is it's just so easy. I am never hungry. Nutrimost Twin Cities in Plymouth has educated me on clean eating, and I now know the foods that work for me and the weight gain trigger foods, too. That's important. Nutrimost Twin Cities in Plymouth will guarantee that you'll lose 20 pounds or more in just 40 days. Nutrimost Twin Cities in Plymouth has helped me change my life, and they can help you, too. Register for the Nutrimost Twin Cities in Plymouth dinner on July 23rd. Just call 763-333-7337. That's 763-333-7337. If you are a homeowner, you do not want to miss this free event. We are hosting a free seller workshop where we are going to teach you how to net between thirty dollars to $60,000 more on your home sale. Plus, we are going to share our proven systems that will instantly put the control back in your corner. Guarantee yourself the results you deserve when it comes time to sell your house. Our exclusive workshop will be sold out shortly, so call now to secure your free ticket by calling 763-401-SOLD or by visiting sellerworkshop.com. This free seller workshop will be held the week of August 6th. The last workshop sold out very fast, so hurry and call Chris Lindahl Real Estate today to save your free ticket. So call now, 763-401-SOLD or visit sellerworkshop.com for times, locations, and to secure your free ticket. Okay, you know how it works. Uh, I don't promote people that aren't the real deal or don't do the right thing. This is not a bare-bones situation at all. And the best part is it's free. 
We're back in the saddle, ladies and gentlemen. We're just talking about the only blockbuster left now is in Bend, Oregon. Two blockbusters in Alaska both shut down. The guy in Bend, Oregon says he's doing very well, so he's not going to shut down anytime soon. Well, I'm sure being the last one, he's basically got free money coming in because he's a curiosity. So Kirby Puckett, many years ago when he signed his, I don't know, 6 or $8 or $10 million a year deal, whatever it was, it was a lot of money for the time. It's nothing compared to what they signed for now, but... Uh, yeah, really, really. What was that? I believe that is Tony Price. Oh, it is? Hi. Hey, Tony, how you doing? Where are you? Uh, they uh, told me I was in Delaware. They told you you were in Delaware? <laughs> Tim Lammers with yeah, us, too. Yeah, they said, you're in Delaware. What state is that? I was about to tell a, a very quick story. This one goes by very quickly, but I asked Kirby Puckett if this was true, and he said, yes, it is. Kirby bought a new home. He got married to Tanya, and they he, they bought a new home in Edina, and they set up TiVo in his house, right. and nobody had ever even heard of TiVo then. I said, Kirby, is it true that you bought every cable subscription to every channel, and you also ordered every movie that came out, every new movie that came out every week on uh, TiVo? <laughs> He goes, yeah, yeah, that's right. That that did happen. But I also had him send me any new movies from like Tidal Wave or from uh, Blockbuster. He had like five copies of each movie because he wanted to make sure the format in which he wanted to watch it was available. Oh, wow. It's like Kirby. Wasn't it's nice that to cost? be covered. It's like five grand a month. I'll for say, when you got the money, you might as, might as well. You can't you take it. You might as well piss it away. So you don't 30 for 30 broke. It's all true. It's all true, no question. So Tony Price with us, Tim Lammers with us. Hey, Tony, you seen any movies while you're on the road? I have not. Oh, you've not been too really. busy. Been too busy. I understand. And so you're in Delaware right now. I'm in Delaware. Excuse me. I'm on my way to Maryland, and then we got Gold Star Families we're going to see in North Carolina too. Are you going to go? Are you going to go to Baltimore? Uh, yes. That's where I'm headed to next. That's oh, my next stop. You going to Baltimore next? Yeah, I well, tell you. Suburbs. Yeah, the suburbs of it. And by the way, for people who don't know this, it's Newark, New Jersey, but it's Newark, Delaware. Did you know that? I I did not know that, See? and I'll try to remember it. Newark, Delaware. I'm embarrassed. I'm in somebody else's town. Yeah, don't mispronounce the name <laughs> of their town because they don't like that. When you you don't know how to say the name of their town, they're not big fans of that. But in any case, so you're in Delaware, you're going to you're going to Maryland, then you're going to North Carolina. Yeah, that's the next three days. That's terrific. So the trip's going very, very well for you. You're you're happy with how everything's going. Well, I'm kind of happy with how everything's going, but I'm not going to say it's been going very well. <laughs> why not? Why why isn't it going well? Motorcycle broke down twice. Oh man. Out in the middle yep, of nowhere. I got stuck in. Uh, I got. St- I spent a day in Ironwood, Michigan, that was unscheduled, and I spent three days in a place called Lockport, New York, outside of uh, Buffalo. Oh, that's that where you want to be. Yeah, no question. That's where you want to be. Is outside of Buffalo, New York. I have a friend. We have a family friend that's from Buffalo, New York, and he said the only problem with Buffalo, New York, it kind of peaked in the eighties, the eighteen eighties. <laughs> <laughs> There you have it. 
I can see that. I can see that. I didn't spend any time in Buffalo this time, but I was in Buffalo a couple, three years ago, three or four years ago. Mm-hmm. And I was really, I was really amazed. Every language on planet Earth is spoken in Buffalo except English. Except English. You're, that's 100% correct, by the way. There's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. I, that was my big surprise there. So I got the motorcycle fixed in Lockport by a fella whose father named him Harley. Oh, God. Oh, and, really? uh, uh, Harley's dad's name is Dave. Harley, Dave, and son. Mm. Yeah, so, Harley, so Harley Dave's son. son. <laughs> yeah, Harley, Dave's son. Yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, and he's just, I, I was really happy with what he did for me. You know, what's interesting about that. It's in, uh, I'm glad you called in today because there's a story out uh, in the press today saying that even though most of the parts and uh, are made overseas, that bikers are still really loyal to Harley Davidson. Is that true? Well, I think those people who are loyal to Harley Davidson are loyal to Harley Davidson. Harley Davidson is kind of a love-hate thing. You either love it like crazy and you'll go to death for it, or you just just never see one. Yeah, it says outlaw. There's there's not very much middle ground. Outlaw bikers stick with Harley despite foreign production. Uh, That's the headline today. I think it'll change in the next 10 years. You think they'll they'll get away from Harley Davidson, or they're not going to produce them overseas anymore? Well, I think that the bikers are going to get away from it. They're going to go to that new company that's building motorcycles in Minnesota. What's that? Indian. Yeah, Indian. Oh, Indian. The Indians back. That's Indian. right. No. Even I knew that. But Indians, they, they <laughs> originally what Indian was originally in the forties and fifties. Indian motorcycles. Indian actually started, I think, a year before Harley. Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought they were they older were than Harley. Before Harley Davidson, but they were they were gone for so long, and then uh, I want to say it was the Polaris company, the snowmobile company, uh, bought up the name. Mm. I think you're right. So they're good motorcycles. I've heard from everybody that an Indian motorcycle is a really good motorcycle. That's that's the reports that I've heard too. Do you think you'll end up on an Indian someday? Uh, you know, it depends on who wants to call me when I get home. I suppose that's true. Yeah, that's but true. If I'm writing the check, the Get next that. bike is probably going to be an Indian. Oh, you think so? So you think? Of, yeah, I've I've heard nothing but good things about him. That is true. But I did the voiceover. Well, I did the voiceover for Harley Davidson. I'm on day 15 Dave. of this trip, and I've been broke down four of them. So. Oh God, that's a tough road to hoe right there. That is very difficult to deal with. No, no question about well, it. Yeah, but it all, you know, good things come from it. So, you know, I was in Lockport, New York, and I got to see, you know, all the historic stuff from the Erie Canal, which is there. I was in, uh, spent the day in Ironwood, Michigan, and I got to find out that's where iron ore was discovered and the history of that town. And, um, yeah, so a lot of good stuff is coming from the mistakes or the bad things that are happening on the road. Well, that's good. They, 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 You know what's interesting is I saw... I was pulling onto Highway 100 the other day, and I could hear this Harley come up behind me. And it sounded like the guy was, you know, really speeding, but he, it turned out he wasn't speeding. It turned out that uh, he and his passenger probably uh, evened her out at about 1,000 pounds. <laughs> they were some big folks, man. Those uh, those Harley Davidsons can carry a load, I'm yeah. telling you. <laughs> well, no, I'm not being smart. I'm just saying they're a powerful <laughs> motorcycle. Impressive. That's heavyweight. It's the payload. What's the payload? I would like to. We had somebody donate a car. Right before I left, somebody donated a car to the organization. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, oh, a Geo 
Metro convertible. Aren't they tiny? It had a three-cylinder engine in it that's smaller than the engine on my bike. Oh, my God. Three, three cylinders. cylinders. Gets good ma- gas mileage, though. I would guess so. For sure. Well, it probably does. <laughs> so you're all fixed up. Does, your motorcycle's fixed, and you're ready to go, and now you're going to Baltimore, and then you're going to, going to uh, North Carolina. Well, yeah, we're going to spend tomorrow in West Virginia also, and then uh, oh, okay. North Carolina is Wednesday. North Carolina is Wednesday. Well, you have to okay. stay in touch. We have to hear from you once in a while. And say, and so everything other than your bike breakdowns has gone very well. You're well-received well, in all the states? I, I Being well-received everywhere I go, I stopped in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and I walked into this. They, they said, we'll meet you at this restaurant. And I said, okay, we'll meet you at the restaurant. And Well, I'm the only motorcycle that's riding right now. We started with quite a few, but everybody kind of fell off and because of the repairs it's been hard for people to know exactly where i am oh Um, yeah so i was by myself and i parked the bike and i go into this restaurant and i as soon as i swing the door open and have half a step inside 75 people stood up and gave me an ovation really that's pretty cool hi uh this this is bill martin calling i'm on with tom barnard at 235 i like the way you said my name properly i like that not many people know it's barnard like the college, good. like the college. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. if you want to hold on for a few minutes, uh, we'll take care sure. of it, all right? Thanks, Bill. Great, thanks. Thank you. Tony? Was Tony gone? He just hung up. Oh, he did? Oh. I don't know why. Well, that's fine. I mean, you, you can only do what you can do. Is Tim still with us? Oh, he's not there either. No. No. He, um, he messaged me because uh, he had to get going, but he said that the movie he recommends is Chappaquiddick. He said it's a must-see. Oh, uh, Tony just called back. I don't know if I can see Chappaquiddick. I just, Chappaquiddick. This whole deal with him killing that woman, and he didn't even try to save her, and they realized, they say this in the movie trailer, that if he had just gone to get her, she would have lived, but he just let her. She fought for her life for, they said, at least a yeah, half an hour. Yeah, she was like a tiny little bit of air in the oh. top of the car. Oh, she was God. breathing mm. that for a long time. Oh, oh that's horrible. Uh. So I don't know that I could I could go see that movie, you know, The Lion of the Senate. You mean the lion that murdered the woman? You mean that one? Accidentally drunk one. I am so sick of these <laughs> politicians getting away literally with murder. I'm really tired of it. It's just terrible. Tony's back. Speaking of murderers, Tony's with us again. <laughs> <laughs> nice segue. That's a nice I've segue. always wanted to hear that about myself. Yeah, yeah it's really. absolutely. I, I thought I kept it a secret. <laughs> nah, so I, I'm glad to hear that everything's going. So you're by yourself, and then you said 75 people. You walked in the door, and 75 people did what? They stood up and applauded for me. I had like a 10-minute ovation just for showing up. That's nice. phenomenal. So you're nice. by yourself, though. Where yeah. did all those riders go? Uh, well, you know, when the, not only the riders, the camera crew quit on me, too. Why? Well, they just said, we've had enough, and they just uh, dropped everything, and they left the car, and they got on a bus, and they went back home. Well, didn't they know it was a 48 or 49-state trek? Yeah. But they just... Well, I have to let you go now, Tom, because uh, I have to talk to the local law enforcement who's wondering why I'm sitting on the side of the road. Okay, uh-huh. sir. Well, thank you very much. And have a wonderful day, Tony. <laughs> it's going swimmingly. Uh, I'll try to get back to you on Wednesday, okay? That sounds good. Thank you very much. 
right. Have a good day. Tony Price, ladies and gentlemen, the Gold Star ride, and he's all by himself. Why would you take the job of filming it and then bail? Yeah, that seems a little shady. What is that all about? Weren't they only about halfway, not even halfway through, I don't think. Well, Tony's out there by himself. Well, oh, maybe God. some people will show up at another point. Because like he said, I'm he hoping. Was, yeah, because he broke down. I suppose yeah. he, the timing's off a little bit. But uh, I don't know. I just, I wouldn't, uh, if I had the camera crew, uh, that that would not make me happy if the camera crew just bailed on me. No. And they had to know what they were getting into. Like you're yeah. following a guy around on a motorcycle. Of course, there's a possibility of stuff not being on schedule. No right. question about You're a film crew. When's the last time you had a shoot that went as planned and on schedule? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no kidding. Although Tony's having a better day than this uh, person. On Saturday, someone crashed a roughly $300,000 McLaren 720S in Northern Virginia, not far from well-known car show Katie's Cars and Coffee. The driver had apparently only owned the car for 24 hours. They owned the car and they they crashed it 24 hours after they bought it. Purchase Friday totaled Saturday, the Fairfax County Police tweeted this past weekend, along with a photo of supercar up against a tree with its driver's side thoroughly mangled. Yeah, I'm looking at it. This guy, he destroyed or he or she destroyed this car. There's nothing left of it. Did it say how fast he was going? Uh, that's what I was trying to find out. Uh, because of speed, it says the exact cause of the crash is unknown. Uh, with the police department simply saying it happened because of speed, implying the driver might have lost control while driving faster than the limit. Probably. Reminded to slow down or it could cost you. The tweet concludes, yeah, this is not good. It's just, yeah, you destroyed a $300,000 car because you were speeding. Not very smart. Although, I don't know how smart it is to buy a $300,000 car anyway. Yeah. yeah. I would buy a $300,000 car. You would? Yeah. Getting all rich off of pros and cons. At, le- at, least, at least I would want to drive one. I'd test drive one. Yeah, I could see I'd test, test drive driving one. one. And then I'd pro- if, yeah, if I had the money, why not buy one? Well, you should buy like a Rolls Royce Phantom. The brand new ones mm-hmm. are $700,000. Yeah, where that's like an apartment building <laughs> on wheels. <laughs> it like really is. Lazy boy for a back seat. Oh, it's true, man. That it's like driving your living room around. It's just amazing. No question. What we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break coming up in just a couple of seconds. Uh, thank you to Tony Price for being with us today. From uh, He's on the road. He's in Delaware right now on his way to Maryland and then on his way to West Virginia and North Carolina. Thank you to Tim Lammers, who had a busy day today and took some time with us as well. So I appreciate that, Tim Lammers. Uh, he said Chappaquiddick. We should go see Chappaquiddick. Yeah, he says it's a must-see. I Actually, right. I, I want to see it. Yeah, yeah, I do too. All right, we'll go see it. But up next, ladies and gentlemen, he's already called in. He called himself Bill Martin instead of William Martin, so we're buddies now. <laughs> we'll be right back with Bill Martin right after this Tom Bernard show. Hello. Hey, how you doing? I've been here over a year now. It's going great. That's right. Most everything I do at Priority Courier Experts is local same-day deliveries. Home for dinner every night. I was just looking for something different. I kept seeing those trucks everywhere, so I gave them a call. Yep, Minnesota's largest same-day delivery company with 500 professional drivers working for customers every day. We are busy. It sure is a lot of vehicles. I guess 21 years as Minnesota's proven same-day leader provides a lot of opportunities. 
opportunity for drivers like me. And the more I drive, the more I make. Ha, go figure. <laughs> Transportation is a rock-solid career choice. Freight moves the world. Always has and always will. Priority is hands down the best move I ever made. Great hours, great pay, and great life. Yeah. I just called 651-748-4477. They can answer all your questions right over the phone. Getting started is easy. Priority courier experts. Every time you call us, we deliver. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. When you call Sabre for service, you'll get a certified technician that's an expert at diagnosing, repairing, and installing heating and air conditioning equipment. Sabre Techs give you the service you need, not the other stuff that you don't need. When you combine that with Sabre's A rating for customer service and the best equipment from Bryant, you get exactly what you need. So make the call to Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning today. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. There you go. I'm just really you went with I'm just waiting on a friend. Yeah. Here we go. I do love this song. It's true. William Martin. He called himself Bill when he called in, but William Martin will go. Until you give us the permission to call you Bill, we'll call you William. So that'd be cool. Permission granted. All right. Bill Martin, ladies and gentlemen. Billy Martin. The manager of the New no, York Yankees. No, no, no. <laughs> it's Bill. <laughs> or you can call me Mr. Martin. No, okay, yeah, Mr. Martin. All right, well, you were not yeah. a Billy Martin fan? Well, I'm a Red Sox fan. How, oh, how can I be uh, never mind rooting for the Yankees manager? <laughs> never mind. That's not going to happen. Yeah, Billy Martin was a Minnesota twin and then went on to become uh, a manager, and unfortunately. That's right. He was a twin. He started with the Washington Senators, yeah. so he must have gone to Minnesota with the uh, twins back in the early 60s. Bill, can I tell you one quick story about Billy Martin that, that I heard from, uh, oh, who, who was it that told me? Oh, it was Mickey Mantle. Did you ever hear the story oh. Mickey Mantle told about Billy Martin? No. Mickey and Billy went out drinking one night, as apparently, I shouldn't say one night, apparently they did it all the time. Yeah. And I think Casey Stengel might have been the manager, I think. They show up, mm -hmm. and they're all hungover. Both of them are completely hungover. And Casey goes, you're both playing today. I don't care how bad you feel. You're both going to be in the game. You're going to do a good job, or there's going to be hell to pay. So <laughs> Billy Martin hits a double. He's on second base. He gets moved over a grounder to the right side. He gets moved over to third base. So he's at third base with one out. Mickey Mantle says he came to the plate and he said, I'm not kidding you. I hit this ball 500 feet or more to dead right field. And it was so obvious from the time I touched the ball that it was going to be a long home run. And I'm watching the ball go out of the park. And I look back at down to third base, and Billy Martin was tagging up. <laughs> <laughs> so a little high jinks on the base pass. but yeah. So, so the Red Sox, not bad to be a Red Sox fan. Not right now. It sure isn't. No, it's uh, wonderful. Let's hope it continues on into the fall. We'll see. Well, the Twins absolutely are horrible, so what are you going to do? Yeah. And they won a yeah. bunch against <laughs> some bad teams, but... Ladies and gentlemen, William Bill Martin. The book is called Bound for Gold, Captivating Historical Fiction about California's gold rush. The California gold rush holds a special place in America's collective memory. And New York Times best-selling author William Martin revisits the mysteries of uh, this tantalizing period in an engrossing historical fiction novel. 
from Forge Books. William, how did this all start? How did the gold rush even start? Well, the gold rush itself uh, in California began in January of 1848. Uh, there were about 10,000 people of European ancestry in the whole of California at that point. Now, of course, you've got 40 million people out there. Right. But uh, John Sutter who had a fort down near what is today Sacramento, had a uh, sawmill up in the foothills. Okay. And he had a guy who ran the sawmill, and the guy was checking out the, uh, the tail race to make sure that the water was coming in off the river properly, running the wheel, and then flowing out. And he's walking along the tail race, and he looks down, and he sees a shiny pebble, and he picks it up, and he knows what it is. And he takes it back to Sutter, and Sutter says, we've got to keep this quiet, because as soon as this gets out, everybody will cross this land and basically destroy my dream of growing wheat and corn and a lot of other stuff. And that basically was what happened. It would take a year, almost. It was early December when President Polk finally looked at a, um, a tea caddy full of gold that had been brought to him from California. Because it took forever to get across the country, uh, either by boat or by foot. And the president looked at it, and then he wrote in his message to Congress that uh, reports of the gold in California seem to be accurate. And that started what was the greatest mass migration in American history at that point. That is amazing. And what is really, what is really, between, say, the Constitutional Convention of 1787 and the beginning of the Civil War, probably the most significant moment in our history. So you got to write a novel about that at some point. I would think so, absolutely. How, how many people yeah. did go to... Is there any way to tell how many people went to California to try to take part in the gold well, rush? They, they believe that in the first year, and they, could have a, they would have a pretty accurate count because they knew how many wagon trains made it across. Oh, yeah. And they also had, uh, had at, the, at the customs office in San Francisco... They were able to count the number of people who were coming on the ships. They figure about 100,000 people went to California in that first year, which in the 19th century was an enormous amount of people. And most of them headed up into the gold country there, that 250-mile-long uh, strip of land that's about 50 miles wide, which contains an enormous amount of the world's gold. Don't forget... In all of human history, we have only mined about 160,000 tons of gold, oh. uh, even though people have been trying to mine it for 10,000 years. That, given the enormous weight and density of gold, is just about enough to fill two Olympic-sized swimming pools. Uh, and California generated maybe about 1% of that amount in those great years of get-rich-quick wow. that uh, that I write about in the novel. Now, this missing gold thing that you, you had talked about and you wrote about, uh, there yeah. are true tales of missing gold, uh, gold finds that well, are worth yeah. a fortune? Yeah. Well, the, the novel, which goes back and forth in time and mm -hmm. features a character that I've written about before named Peter Fallon, He's a, he, he searches for rare and lost documents. Uh, there's a journal in the book that takes us with a company of gold seekers in the 19th century, and they get into all kinds of trouble. And uh, the journal may locate one of those famous lost ore bodies. Uh, 
Now, California rendered up, the geologists believe, about 20% of the gold that's still, and so 80% of the gold in the Sierra formations is still there. It's just pretty widely dispersed. Uh, but geologists believe that if you look in the right place and get a little bit lucky and maybe dig into the right uh, quartz vein at some point, you might find another one of those, those veins of gold that would cause those 49ers to dig their way out of their own grave and start digging for gold again. <laughs> Going after it again. Yeah, yeah. And, and so many of those guys are probably <laughs> sleeping the long sleep and thinking to themselves, well, I tried, but I didn't get any gold in 1849 because so many of them were disappointed when they got there uh, that maybe in 2018 they might get lucky. God, William, it's amazing because you use that comparison of, of two Olympic-sized swimming pools holding all the gold that's mm-hmm. been mined. I heard the same thing is about diamonds, that there are only so many diamonds that have been mined to fill one Olympic-sized swimming pool. Is that true? Yeah. Well, I don't know about diamonds. I'll, I'll accept your uh, statistic yeah, on it. that's what they so, say. Sometimes when I do my research, uh, I, I basically focus on the one thing I need to know and... and uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah. Diamonds is not it, at no, least in this book. Maybe yeah, the next one. Who knows? Now, I do want to talk about your book and the fact that, that you have a couple of characters that people just love. And uh, Tell me yep. about that. That's interesting. Well, Peter Fallon, who is the dealer in rare books and documents, mm-hmm. uh, arrived along with me on the scene in publishing way back in 1980. We were both in our late 20s. He was uh, a graduate student then who went looking for a... Uh, a lost Paul Revere tea set. And the book became a New York Times bestseller, lasted for 14 weeks on the list, meant I didn't have to have a real job again, which was pretty good. <laughs> That's nice. good. And, and so Peter and I, uh, Peter and I have uh, walked through life, and his girlfriend, Evangeline, who was a kind of on-again, off-again girlfriend, uh, uh, which actually adds to the dramatic tension in the stories, I almost got them married at one point, and then, then they, then my editor said, you know, they, they, they probably make a better couple if they're not married, and uh, oh, okay. I'm sure you've met people like that too. Oh yeah. Um, so anyway, Peter and I uh, have traveled through a lot of adventures together, and uh, the best description of him, I guess, would be Indiana Jones in a monogrammed shirt, uh, but in the novels, which spend at least as much time and sometimes more time in the past as they do in the, in exploring Peter's pursuit of whatever the lost artifact might be. It's Peter who gives us the perspective that I think is important for readers to have when they read a historical novel. Basically, the perspective uh, of the modern observer saying, wow, that gold rush not only mattered to those people who were living through it, but in some ways it matters to us, and it tells us a little bit about ourselves. Uh, and I've tried to do this in all of my novels, to show you, for example, just the grandeur and the high ideals that motivate people. And since I write primarily about American history, uh, showing you the grandeur and the high ideals that motivate Americans. And at the same time, I try to shine a few lights into the darker corners of our history as well. And that's what I think uh, makes these good stories. And Peter is a great guide uh, 
uh, as we travel through time. What's amazing to me, William, is that after all this time, the lexicon itself is still alive. Uh, if you have a, a, a successful restaurant, oh, it's a gold mine. If you have a, mm-hmm. you know, what, whatever your bookstore, whatever it is, it's still referred to as a gold mine after all mm-hmm. these years. That's right. Well, you know, it was uh, the United States currency was backed by uh, gold until yeah. the 1970s when Richard Nixon decoupled it from the gold standard. Uh, some of that, I, I get into a little bit of that in the book, uh, and into a little bit of why foreign governments today in the modern story are interested in purchasing not only gold, but other mineral produce, minerals and, and production facilities, not only in the U.S., but in the rest of the world. Uh, that's part of the bigger story in the modern section of the book. But yeah, gold, gold uh, is beautiful, malleable, and rare, and it always has been, and uh, it's the shiniest of the shiny objects, and our eye always <laughs> goes to it, and that's why people have been uh, obsessed by it from the time that they first pulled it out of the ground. Why does it all of a sudden, I mean, it's a mineral, obviously gold is a mineral, mm-hmm. right? Uh, why does it just yeah. all of a sudden show up in creeks? How does that happen? Well, uh, in California particularly, uh, there, there's a really long explanation that has to do with plate tectonics and oh, the movement yeah. of the seafloor yeah. and stuff like yeah. that. But suffice to say that the gold was in the quartz and granite veins that were driven up when the Sierras rose, and then... Uh, the rains came and washed the gold out and eroded it down into the stream beds below the American River, the uh, the Consumnes River, the Feather, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, that great drainage system in Western California that eventually feeds into the Sacramento, and so the gold would just be would be carried down into the uh, sandbars below. So it was erosion. Um, it was also uh, uh, rivers, even before the Sierras, that, that flowed and then were covered with volcanic eruptions. And so today you can look and see a gravel bank in the side of a hill and realize, wow, that's an old riverbed. Yeah. And maybe there's gold in there. And this is what they figured out about how to get the, the gold out of hillsides not out of streams, where all you need to do really is crouch with a pan and start swirling. Yeah. I did that, actually. Oh, you did? I, I, I panned for gold right about a mile downstream from Sutter's Mill, and uh, I found gold. It's still there. The only difference is that when they started in 1848, they were, they were panning out gold that had been eroding for 10,000 years. Yeah, and as one of the one of the characters in my book says, if there's if there's gold eroding out in June, people are finding it now by the Fourth of July because people go gold panning in those rivers the way that uh, some people like to go fishing, particularly there in the land of the Thousand Lakes, where I'd love to go fishing sometime. Well, you should but, come um, fishing here sometime. Yeah, I would love to. The book- but anyway, just the, the gravel banks. They figured out that the best way to get that gravel out so that they could look for the gold in it, was to wash away the whole hillside. And they developed a system called hydraulic mining, Mm, giant hoses that washed millions of tons of effluent uh, down into sluices that they lined with mercury. And the mercury, of course, amalgamated the gold and still destroys nervous systems. (laughs) To this day. 
Yeah, it's true. Bound for gold, William, don't mm-hmm. call me Billy Martin. That's your, <laughs> your title right. from now on. <laughs> William, thanks so much for your time today. Great talking to you. And thank you for having me on. Take care. You Bye. Too. We'll be back. Tom Bernard Show.